0: Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the underdog podcast. Today I have an
1: incredible
0: rock star guest here with me, Jennifer. How are you?
1: Yay! I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: Oh my goshness! I am so excited to have you. I remember reading up on you. I was like, this woman is just like out of this world. I can feel her energy and like, I haven't even met her yet incredible soul and I I just can't wait to dig into your story like even when we were just chatting before the call I'm like I'm looking I'm looking at your photo and it's got Key West there and I'm like oh man I just can't wait to hear the whole journey and all the beauty alongside with it so I'll start with my first question with you Jennifer which is what inspired you to where you are today
1: Oh my gosh, I think the interesting part is it's, it's different things at different times in my life. Like when I, I grew up in Key West and in the islands, you know, it's such a laid back atmosphere and it's it's really, Key West is known for Hemingway and Jimmy Buffett and just really laid back things. But my childhood was not. <laughs> my mother was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And it was so funny because what inspired me as a child was I remember I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a child advocacy lawyer, because there was some crazy stuff that my mother did. And every time I get thrown into the system, I was like, wait a minute, I'm not the one who should be getting the brunt of this. I mean, my mother was investigated for being an unfit mother several times. And so when she would get like my, my younger sister was adopted and my mother was a little bit, I'm trying to underplay it. She was violent. And one of the times my sister w- would stand up to her and I wasn't always the one as a child, my sister would be one of the people who inspired me as a child because she would stand up to my mother and I would go and hide. I was like, no way when it's getting violent, boom! I'm in a closet or under a bed and mm-hmm. my sister would stand up to her. And so my mother punished her over and over and over again. And one of the final times was she was like, that's it. Because my sister would just talk about it. She would tell you know, teachers and, you know, if she had a bruise on her, she would talk about it. And so my mother said, that's it. You were adopted. You weren't supposed to be in this family anyway, and we're going to give you away. And then she went to an aunt's house and the aunt was declared unfit. And then she bounced around foster home to foster home to foster home to foster home. So my sister inspired me and she's younger than me. And she inspired me when I was younger because I was like, I can't believe she was brave enough Because here I am, my mom, I am her child, I'm a birth child, but I still wasn't brave enough to stand up to her, you know? And so I realized every one of us has to find that, I almost want to say that season in life, that chapter in your life on what's going to inspire you. And I remember like back then, this is so many years ago, it was 1980s and we didn't have email, we didn't have cell phones, so communication was a very different thing back then. And I remember I, I hand wrote letters to my sister trying to find her and it was very difficult. And, and finally we reconnected, you know, in the last like 10 years. And, and one thing I found that breaks my heart is that not only did she never get any of my letters, she said, she used to write me all the time. And I never got, I didn't even know that I never got any of her letters. So as much as she was inspiring me she was completely absent all the way through my teenage years and but it inspired me that i felt like there ought to be a law we should change things we should do things differently which really helped me not quit when i was told i was stupid and when i was told i could never go to college and i could never go on you know i had here's an, another one you might i don't know if you would relate to this or not but I remember in high school, there was a counselor and my mom sat down with a the counselor. They were talking about like, it was like eighth grade and I was going into ninth grade and they're trying to decide whether I would go into the college prep courses. Was mm-hmm. I somebody who was ever going to go to college or was I going to go into the medium courses or into the stupid courses? And they said, absolutely the stupid courses. You know, she's, she's not even medium. Like she's not even average. <laughs> she's goes wow. in the stupid classes. And my mom was you know definitely saying the stupid classes and she said she, you know she's never been one to you know really excel in anything and i remember just being like huh never excel i never i was just trying to survive it wasn't even something i was thinking about like how could i excel how could i be great in something the counselor said a phrase that i remember i was so innocent even though i had drugs around me and violence and all this other chaos around me i still was so innocent i didn't know what this phrase meant and the counselor said oh she'll probably be barefoot and pregnant before she's 18. and i remember i was the kid i was sitting there going well why do people get barefoot why do they do they is it an island thing they walk around barefoot when they're pregnant not understanding at all what that phrase meant but i remember also thinking well I why would i be pregnant i mean i wasn't dating anyone and i thought don't you get pregnant after you're married like i was so oblivious But all I knew was they thought I was dumb and that I was never even going to graduate from high school. And for me, so when you ask that, what inspired me? Well, in this first season of life, when I was in Key West, the thing that inspired my sister, and she inspired me to stand up to my mom, that could be very violent and to doing, but I did it. And then, you know, when I was in high school, after there was a point where I ended up moving out of my mom's house, and I finally said, wait a minute, you know, even though I'm not college prep, I I would like to figure out how, how could I go to college one day? And of course, I didn't fully understand how much it was going to cost. But that's another whole story about student loan debt. But what I did end up with was I started finding out about there was community colleges. um, Because again, I had a new counselor by the time I was in my senior year. And I found out in my senior year, I could go to the community college in Key West, if, you know, I could do certain things, like certain classes and prerequisites and stuff, they would take, you know, I mean, with all due respect, anyone. And I was like, okay, if they'll take me, I mean, I'm willing to work hard. And then we had this tragedy happen in my senior year. And there was a, this guy, he had gone to Key West High School, it was his high school, and he had gotten to be uh, superintendent for the entire County, which included part of Miami, the whole Florida Keys. But his dream when he retired was to go back to Key West and to be principal of his own high school. And so the first day of his job, as you know, retired but getting to take on to be principal, I get arrested the first day of school. At the first day of school, I'm escorted out at lunchtime in handcuffs. And so I made an impression on the principal, (laughs) a little (laughs) impressive, shall we say. But the tragedy was at spring break, he had a heart attack and he died. And he was such a neat principal. You know, he was the kind of principal who would kind of hang out and he would talk to us and he would come sit with us at lunch and try to get feedback. And he really cared. He wasn't somebody who just sat in his office. So um, I'll never forget him. You know, it was one of those, you know, like, oh, wow, there, so there could be. A counselor who cares, like not like the first one who said I was barefoot and pregnant and would always be too stupid to really be anything in life, and and then it, it was funny. Then all of a sudden, I end up with a totally different counselor in my senior year, and he's so funny. I'll never forget him. He came in because after I found out. After the principal died and, and I had gotten to the point where I was just like, I don't, why am I graduating from high school? And I, I kind of, you know, I was thinking about when you said, well, what inspired me? Well, that principal inspired me to just go do what I want. And at the time I had gotten onto the dancing drill team in high school. I was like, I'm a dancer and I'm relatively good at this. I can dance in these high heel boots and we, you know, performed in parades and we were number one in the state of Florida for all the high schools. Florida's a big state. It was like all of this stuff. And so that was the one little niche that I was good at. And so I was like, you know what? Maybe I should. And I had, I worked in a law firm during the day. It was one of the things I did all summer long. And then I used to go after school. i worked for this law firm, a real estate law firm. And I'll never forget him. He said, do you want me to hire a private investigator? And let's see if we can find your dad. I was like, how much is that going to cost me? And he said, well, he said, I think we can get it done. You know, really, we can absorb the costs. I was like, okay. So he found my dad and my dad was in Las Vegas. So I'm like, Las Vegas has dancers. Now, again, I'm so, so, I want to say ignorant, unknowing. I didn't know what I was saying, but at the time I was like, I could go and be a showgirl. That would be exciting. Now, I didn't know showgirls were topless or any of the other not so great (laughs) things about being a showgirl, but I didn't really know much about New York. Like maybe I probably, if I'd known more about New York or maybe I would have aspired to New York, but at the time... All I wanted to do was get out of Key West and get away from you know the toxic place where my mom was. And so I decided I don't want to graduate from high school. I found out that my dad's in Las Vegas, and so I'm gonna like just turn up on his doorstep and see, you know if he wants to know me. And oh my goodness, the counselor, he came in and he's like, I need to talk to you because I was literally leaving like the next day to get on a Greyhound bus and go 52 hours. <laughs> across the United States from Key West to Las Vegas and he said so there's something I gotta talk to you about and I was like uh oh what kind of thing do you have to talk to me about and and he shut the door now I did have a couple things in my younger past that were not good so I didn't really trust men and I didn't really trust the door being shut and I remember looking at it kind of in this scary moment of like oh no oh no How am I going to get out? Can I get out a window? What can I do? And he said, I have to shut the door because I'm doing something that could cost me my job. And of course, this is making me feel even worse. Like, oh, dear God, what is he going to do? And he said, so there's a committee that's been meeting. And he said, you know, Tommy Roberts died over spring break and his wife has gotten together with a committee and they have decided on a scholarship for college and they'd like to give it to you but if you quit high school they can't give it to you I was like well why would anybody give it to me and at that point I was a solid B student I didn't have any A's I didn't have any C's I was B I was all B and so I was just my what had been said to me a million times is I was just average and I was like okay I'm just average why would anybody I I didn't do well on the SAT. I didn't do well on any standardized tests. And I was like, why would anybody give me a scholarship? The counselor said that his wife said that the principal used to come home and talk about me and say, if somebody would just give that kid a chance, boy, she might be something great in this world. And so his wife, it was like one of her last things that she said, I want to make sure that somebody gives Jennifer a chance, even though you know, like I don't check any of the boxes, so to speak. I wasn't in the advanced classes. I was in the stupid classes. So what they did is they gave me two years at the community college in Key West, which gave me an incredible start. And anyway, it was a long, long way to ground about that. It changed my life because I was like, whoa, number one, someone I didn't even know. I mean, other than I was arrested the first day of school. And the reason probably want to know the reason I was arrested is because my mother had kicked me out of the house (laughs) she had thrown all my stuff out in the front yard the summer before and then that day she decided that I was a runaway and I needed to be arrested because I was a truant and I hadn't lived there for months and months and months and she knew where it worked she could come to my the real estate law firm she never came to the law firm but she just wanted this dramatic thing and she wanted me arrested and I'd never been arrested before And, uh, and you know of course everybody thought I'd done something bad. My mom was a drug addict. So they just assumed I was into drugs and I wasn't into drugs. Anyway, long story short, my childhood, I was inspired by my sister first. I was inspired definitely by Tommy Roberts, by this man who died, but made sure his legacy was to give me this scholarship, obviously through his wife and the committee. So I had to stay and finish high school and someone I didn't know believed in me. And I think that the funniest part about that is that there's probably people that, if you're listening right now, there's probably people that believe in you, that are observing you, and they probably know you could do more than you probably believe yourself you could do. But just keep on believing that it is gonna work out, and there is gonna be a rainbow, no matter how dark, stormy days are of whatever season in life that you're in.
0: Absolutely. Oh my goodness, Jennifer, holy cow. What an introduction. Your story is incredibly powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, there's so many things that I want to get into. It's like unbelievable, unbelievable. Because looking at you, right, and where you're at now in life, And then to tell your backstory, like, this is the reason why I started this podcast is because nobody would ever think this, that you've been through this. No, there's no way. Jennifer's too happy. She's too smiley. She's so successful. There's no way somebody ever doubted her. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff here, you are authentically like pouring your soul out. And I'm so grateful for that because this is really genuinely going to help someone that, you know, despite your background or how you grew up or whatever that, you know, you chose not to let that define you but instead empower you find those cheerleaders in your life and empower you during those moments I mean your sister being one of them right the first one yeah and then the second one being your principal's wife like how incredible like somebody you didn't even know was paying attention had the ability to change your life like that's the kind of stuff that blows my mind like these people that speak into you I Think make all the difference in the entire world because if it wasn't for them, maybe that statistic could have gone the way that they expected, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I could have ended up. I was thinking about if I had gone to Las Vegas, as innocent as it was, not understanding what was kind of expected or what kind of life a showgirl has, or if I had just stayed in the keys and ended up in drugs, you know, if I had ended up or barefoot and pregnant. I mean, all those things I could have had happen,
0: right? And then they spoke into you and then it changed everything which is absolutely incredible oh my gosh so I mean I always love asking this question I'm interested to know what you wanted to be when you were a kid I mean I think I would say dancer based on what you what you mentioned but as a kid like what did you want to be when you grew up
1: so as a little kid I'd always wanted to be a dancer and part of that actually goes back even further when I was really young, I had a hard time walking. My my legs were kind of disformed. They, they went in, they kind of uh, turned in. And so my mom had gotten me into ballet lessons when I was pretty young. And I, so I had kind of instilled when I was little, because I love the idea of being able to throw your body around in all these different ways and being able... I just also felt like, like I love the phrase of dance like no one's watching, just being able to fully experience your own version of art. Like I know musicians feel that and such. So I always wanted to be a dancer, but again, like I said, when I was in high school and I had all of a sudden I'm before a judge and I'm I'm being arrested the first day of my senior year, I was like, okay, I need to go to law school. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I want to be a child advocacy lawyer because this stuff is garbage. And, and most people don't know it. Like who was going to listen to this teenager? My mom was saying that I was a brat and that I was a drug addict. I'm like, I haven't checked a drug, and you're the only person who's given me alcohol or marijuana or anything. It's been from you, my mom, not from like someone at school or like. And I thought, gosh, I can't believe she's just she's my mom, and she's tricking me. And I mean, there's so many stories of betrayal. That again, when it starts with your mom, it's so hard. So anyway, so a dancer when I first was, was a little girl, and then I want to be a child advocacy lawyer, and that changed again
0: and then you changed again. Oh my goodness. Real estate?
1: Real estate. Well, the funny thing is I went on for my, I went to my two-year degree and then I got a scholarship, partial scholarship for my four-year degree. And that was for legal administration, which is also can be done as a pre-law degree. But then I had a little trouble again with those whole stupid standardized tests. No law school would take me. I had three different law schools I applied to, and they all rejected me. So I went on for a master's degree and I got a master's in public administration. And my dream was to go work on Capitol Hill. And I got to do it. And I was there for only six months. And then I, I was like, okay, this place is so corrupt. And I couldn't do it. I, it was awful. I, I just, I couldn't do it. And that's what how I ended up. I was like, after a few tears, <laughs> I decided okay, it's definitely time for me to find some kind of career that I can help people. Because I I want a career that I can really help people. And since they're not going to let me go to law school, how could I help people? And one of them was, I thought, well, people become very wealthy with real estate. And so I was like, what if I really learned real estate and I could help people buy homes as well as be real estate investors? And that fired me up. And now it's been 27 years and I love real estate.
0: Oh my gosh. I absolutely love that. And I, I share the same, same passion with you on real estate as well. Like I absolutely, I mean, it's, it transforms generations. What it can do for you, the wealth vehicle that it is, is just so powerful, regardless if you just have it just as your primary residence, forget yeah. if you actually start investing and start getting into all of that stuff, but it's it's remarkable. But I want to back it up for one second because you said a couple things that were super important and, I hate to bring it back to this, but I know that there's people struggling out there with this at this point in time, Jennifer. How did you distance yourself from toxic family members Mm -hmm. and how did you maintain this nonstop mentality moving forward? Because most people in situations like this begin to feel like the victim right? And they can't yep. get themselves out. And it seems like you were able to push forward in ways that were just remarkable. So I would love to hear that a little bit because I know there's going to be some nuggets in there that are going to help a lot of people.
1: I'll give you a, a really quick story as you were asking that question that came to mind. I remember I was in this, so I'd finished my two-year degree and then I'd gone off to the University of West Florida in Pensacola, which for anyone who knows Pensacola, Pensacola is about as far of a different culture. Than Key West, it is for people who know Alabama's right above it. They call it LA, Lower Alabama. It is a a very strange, different place where women are often to be seen and not heard. And Key West is just like anything goes, you know, from the nude beaches to the artists that do all sorts of crazy stuff to the drug addicts to being, you know, eleven or twelve years old and sitting at a bar. What? Key West is this crazy, you just can't believe that it exists and it's still, and it is part of the United States. But when I went to Pensacola, I was in there and of course I had two jobs, sometimes three jobs, but I had two jobs and I was going to school full time, I was going to college full time and had a full load of all these classes. And I was really getting stuck on some of this study. And I don't remember why, but my mom had called me and I hadn't talked to her in a while. And I picked up the phone again with the idea that most people have that your mom will comfort you, that your mom will be like those warm chocolate chip cookies just fresh out of the oven. And she's gonna be lovely and and helpful and supportive. And she said, you are so effing stupid. I can't believe you think you're actually gonna graduate. You're not even gonna pass this course and you don't have what it takes. And I mean, she just shredded me. And I, I can still remember being, as all the, the books are spread out all over my bed while I'm studying and trying to study for this test. And I had the phone in my hand and I literally just hung up on her and I just started to cry. By that point, I had gotten in touch with my dad and I knew he lived in Vegas, but I called him and he answered the phone and I couldn't speak because I was so upset and so invalidated that I am so afraid that I, that I was, I was going to become exactly what she said, that I really was stupid and that I really wasn't going to be able to do this. And I was really quiet. And uh, my dad said, did you talk to your mother recently? And I, I remember I, all I could get out was, mm hmm and he said, well, whatever she said, it's not true. (laughs) And I remember I still, now I could laugh about it, but at the time I was like, like I could just barely get anything out. And he said, so, you know, you have beautiful beaches around there. Maybe you go for a walk. He goes, but I think you are amazing and you're brilliant. And you're, and he said a whole bunch of just, he goes, and I bet you're really, you're beautiful today. I bet you, you know, you look gorgeous. Now, of course we're on the phone. He can't see me. And I I just cried. I couldn't say a word. I just cried and cried and cried. And he said, maybe it's time that you don't answer the phone when she calls. Maybe it's time. And it's funny because I had to have that experience where she really sucker punched me when I was feeling super vulnerable. I was super afraid I was going to fail this test. And the test was like one of those tests where it was like 80% of my grade. And if I failed it, it was going to cost me a lot of money. I was going to have to repeat the class. It was one of the core classes. And it was just, and I had already graduated from my two-year degree, which again was so incredible. When I finished my two-year degree in Key West, I ended up getting voted, voted to be the speaker at commencement. Now, I was a shy girl who did not want to be the speaker at commencement. And yet I knew this was an honor and I knew I had to do it. And my mother had come to that. And so she already knew I graduated with a two-year degree, as stupid as I was. I had actually graduated from high school. And as stupid as I was, I had graduated with my two-year degree. And now as I was there at the university, she's still just pounding in my head how stupid I am. And when my dad said, maybe it's time you don't pick up the phone for her anymore. And I realized, you know what? You're right. My mother isn't the warm chocolate chip cookies fresh out of the oven. She's not that. And... I think it's one of the hardest things, especially when the family member is somebody who should be trusted or who you have an idea that they're the person who is going to lift you up and and support you. and, and, And of course, they'll say things, they might say things like, oh, I'm just trying to protect you so that you don't embarrass yourself or embarrass the family or, you know, fall on your face and, and regret that you even went out there. I mean, there's just so many things that she would say that were so invalidating. And my dad wasn't, it was funny, because he was very awkward. And he hadn't been around most of my life. And he didn't know what to say. But many times, many, many times, but there were sometimes like that particular phone call where I still get choked up thinking about, he didn't know that all I needed at that moment was just to know that I was okay. And that, and he's like, even if you fail, so what? He's like, guess what? You get to do it again. And you're going to pass it next time. And it like, it released the stress of it. In fact, I got it. Now you made me think about. It. I got to tell you one more really quick story. So I was totally freaking out, like probably the next semester, I'm getting close to exams and I'm so freaking out. My dad had gone to law school and he went to a prestigious law school and he did great and whatever. And so he said, oh, I got a secret. I got a secret. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to mail it to you. And I'm like, no, 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 tell me on the phone. Like, don't mail it to me. He goes, no, no, no. I'm going to mail it to you. The secret of how to pass all your exams. So of course I'm studying and I'm up all night doing all these all nighters. I'm drinking all this stupid coffee and every kind of caffeine you can imagine. And I am waiting every day at the mailbox to get this, you know, the secret. And I swear, oh my gosh, I should have kept this. He sends me this envelope and I open it and it's a card. And I don't know if you know Farside, the cartoon,
0: nope.
1: but it's a cartoon. And then one of the Farside characters is on the front and he's in a classroom. And it says, in the middle of the final exam, he pulls out, he reaches into his trench coat. And you see him in this really creepy looking trench coat. He reaches into his trench coat and pulls out an even bigger brain. <laughs> Okay, I wanted to kill my dad at that moment. But I realized his point is, don't take it so seriously. So what if you fail it? Fail it, just like falling down, you know? So what if you fail? And I couldn't, like, because my mother had always put so much pressure on me, and I was trying to be perfect. And I don't know if you know the phrase. I felt like I'm dancing as fast as I can. But sometimes you have to cut someone out of your life. And my mom was somebody I had to cut out of my life. For many, many years because she was so toxic and so invalidating. And I just needed to do that. And quick other one to answer you, because other other people who might listen to this think, oh, that was your mom. Well, what if it's your brother? Well, unfortunately, there was a time in my life where my brother had gone through, not only was he a drug addict, but he had decided he had gotten deep into the really hard ones. He did heroin and uh, crack cocaine and he started stealing from me. Like he would come in and if there was money around, he'd steal it. He stole jewelry, he stole all sorts of stuff. And he had come in and there were several times where he was like, he needed to live on my couch. And so he'd come live with me. And one time I had something horrific happen and that's another story. But he said to me, I need you to give me money. And I said, no, I'm not going to give you any money. And he said, well, then I'm going to commit suicide. Oh my gosh. That's a pretty tough one. Because now I'm like, but I could see he was higher than a kite from his eyes. And, you know, how do you say, and it was one of the toughest toughest sentences I ever had to get out of my, and there's a whole lot more to that story, but he had gone through so much and I just could not believe that he was standing in front of me and he had told me he was clean and he wasn't clean and he lied to me again, which happens a lot with drug addicts. But when it's your brother and he's my older brother. And there are plenty of times where my older brother has been, the original question you asked me, what inspires me? (laughs) My brother had been that inspiration. He was my brother who protected me, protected me from my mother, protected me from bullies, protected me many times. So to be standing, I remember exactly where I was standing, in Washington, D.C. by this, it was by this marina. And I I just looked at him because there was a time I lived on a houseboat in Washington, D.C., which I know is weird, Washington, D.C. houseboat. But it was so much fun. It was such a great time. And he was standing on the dock and I was standing on the boat. And I was like, you know, I had some of his stuff and he had like a little duffel bag and I put it on the dock and he's like, that's it. And I was like, no, no, no. If that's what your decision is, it's your life. And I can't live your life for you. So there's some people like, you know, like my mom, who I just had to hang up the phone and not answer the phone when she called and just cut her out of my life because she was so invalidating and she was so toxic. But then with my brother, there were so many times in the life where I've helped him. But then when you get to a point where they are literally, it's the person who is drowning you because you tried to give them a life preserver, but now they're, they're taking you down with them. It's time to just, and, and, and even in the most grim to, to like, and then he didn't talk to me again for years. And I didn't know if he was dead or alive because he just disappeared. Wow. It was horrific. I can't even believe I told that story. I, he probably is going to kill me for telling that story. But I tell that in the, the hopes that if there's someone listening, if you've got somebody who has been pulling on your heartstrings because they're a family member or even an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend or husband that you feel responsible for, at some point you have to hand it over to them and give them the reins to their own life because, you know, and I, one of the jokes I used to say on the radio all the time was, I can't do your push ups for you. I would pay somebody a lot of money if they would do my push ups and I got the body from their push ups. I would pay them a lot of money. But we all know the truth is, we don't learn unless we go through it ourselves, and we don't learn unless we take responsibility for our own situation, including. Our own mess, and believe me, it's not that I haven't made a mess <laughs> in my own life before. But you also have to realize that you have to take responsibility for yourself, just like the old saying of "I'll put on my own oxygen mask before you put on the oxygen mask for someone else who is in, on the airplane with you." If the airplane's going down, you need to make sure you've taken care of yourself enough and know when it's time to put those boundaries out, no matter how grim they are. I mean, to to not talk to my mother as much as she was abusive and she was horrible. She was my mother and I loved her.
0: Oh, thank you so much for that, Jennifer. I know a lot of people that have been struggling with that, where they're trying to enter a new mindset and they've got, you know, family members or friends around them that are toxic, that they just can't get away and and separate and all of that. So that, thank you so much for sharing that. That was super, super helpful. Cause I mean, it messes with us, right? They always say like, "Who you surround yourself with your environment can really mess with our mindset and all of that. And then getting into mindset too, like you've got such a remarkable mindset. So I want to hear all about that, like how you create your yay days and all of that stuff and kind of how you navigated through all of this trauma and all of these experiences and still ended up being successful and fabulous and just incredible souls. So please walk me through that because I know you've definitely got some uh, advice on mindset to help many people out there.
1: Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, I've given you little, a couple little things about my childhood, but also it was really interesting because when I got to Washington, DC, it was a really tough place to be in this big city with nobody. And all of a sudden I've decided now my bachelor's degree, I'm going to throw out the window, my master's degree, I'm going to throw out the window and I'm going to go into real estate. I'm going to get licensed as a real estate agent. Which you probably know, if you watch any kind of television or movies, real estate agents aren't necessarily portrayed in the best way. So now I'm like, uh uh-oh, now I'm going into an industry that people don't even respect you and don't see your value or your worth. And I thought, oh, goodness, what am I doing? But for me, the first thing it was, I realized, well, what if I could teach a first-time home buyer how to get money for the down payment, like even a grant. And how about if you got money for the closing costs and then you got an amazing mortgage, like an amazing loan. So in other words, it costs you zero money out of your own pocket. And so it it started like that. And that was part of, for me, I loved, I just specialized in first-time homebuyers. And I thought, how much could it change someone's life if they could get into that first home? And you know, you mentioned it in the beginning, it could change their entire financial future, even just with that one property. And probably like there's a couple ways that the, I think the yay started, but one of the first ones was just being able to see when I taught somebody. One of the biggest things for me with first time home buyers, I loved is that most of them were eager to learn. And so I could say, okay, I am going to give you some homework and I I'd get them and I get them to get a pad of paper out and I'd say, okay, so I need you to research this grant for your down payment. And then I need you to do the research on, cause like Washington DC had this amazing program that was a second mortgage that you could put on for closing costs. It was fantastic. And it would pay all your closing costs, but you didn't ever have to make any payments on it or pay it back until you sold the property. Whoa. So- Literally, you could get $20,000, $40,000, whatever chunk of money, and then you didn't have to pay it back until you sold the property, which, as you know, with real estate, hopefully when you go sell it, you're going to be making profit anyway, so it would be easy to wipe out that other mortgage. And so anyway, so I was super excited, and I would give people homework, and they would do it. And then I would, and like the first one was, she was an amazing uh, woman who, she had gotten out of college, she got her degree, and she got into this beautiful nonprofit, but of course it paid her terrible money. And I was like, but you qualify for all these programs because of this, including in Washington, DC, they have a program called tax abatement. So she doesn't have to pay real estate taxes on her property for five years. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. No down payment. You're basically not going to have to pay your closing costs. You're going to get you a great mortgage and no real estate taxes. Well, at the time, there was also a federal government program that gave her $10,000 cash. And I was like, okay, this is fun. This is like giving, but they have to do their homework. If you don't apply to the programs, if you don't do this stuff, what I started realizing was, you know, it goes back to the, if you can teach a person to fish rather than just hand them a fish. So I, I used to tell them, I, I can't do it for you. Again, I can't do pushups for you, but I can teach you how to do this. And I used to try to say, so if I teach you to do this, you can do this over and over and over. So if you move to California, you move wherever. Now I'm going to teach you the principles of how to do this. And so like the first girl, the nonprofit, she was so much fun. She came back to me in tears one day and she said, I am going to get to have the wedding of my dreams. I am going to get to travel the world all because the house that you helped me buy has so much equity in it it's as if I got paid, you know, this crazy, amazing salary in Washington, D.C., but I get to work for the nonprofit that is my heart. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh,
0: that's so amazing.
1: So that kind of started with that is, you know, I've started with first time home buyers who are like, oh, I can't afford anything. I'm never going to, This totally like the Eeyore kind of, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm never going to be able to afford. And I was like, "Well." This is a mindset thing. And then I remember going, well, now I have to go figure it out. And I was like, okay. And that's what I started figuring out. Okay, there's this pro- program and then there's this. So it took a lot of research, but it started with that mindset first of we can do anything. So what do you want to do? Do you want to be a landlord? Like there are some other, um, for time home buyers, I'm like, so what if we bought, bought a two unit and the other unit made enough income that it paid for the whole thing? So, you were living for free, but you have to be a landlord. And it was so much fun because then I got the person who not only is a first time homebuyer, becomes a first time investor. And again, they're like, no, that doesn't. But again, it's a mindset thing. They're like, no, 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 that's no. not possible. I'm like, oh, yes, it is. And we can get you an FHA loan. They'll go up to four units, 3% down. Not so bad. We can probably even get you a grant for the down payment. But again, you've got to be able to do the work. And so, they have to start with being able to believe, believe it is possible. And if I can get you to believe it's possible, you know, it's almost like we, we might have to figure it out along the way, just like in some real estate transactions, things start to all of a sudden fall apart. And you're like, right. Oh, like, I, I just had a deal in Washington, D.C. where I had to put it back together five times, five different buyers. And I was just like, Okay, this is getting a little bit silly now because five times five different, and each one had a different reason why. And I represented the seller. I was like, "This is incredible," but I realized that it's all about the mindset. And can you? And I call it the "yay" mindset because to me, they're in life, they're the the micro yays. Because some days you might get up and you stub your toe, and then also you run into a wall, and you're like, "Okay, I don't know where there's a yay in today." And you're like. But maybe there's a micro yay because now look, I took three steps and I didn't stub another toe or there's something small that happened and you've got to just be able to say, okay, I'm not seeing how this is a yay for today, but maybe when there's more time and I have more experience and I can look back on it, just like my childhood, I was thinking about it the other day. Someone asked me, what if you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth? And you had everything given to you and you had had just this fantastic life. And and I was weird. I thought, you know what? I don't know. Because one of the things that made me continue, and even like now, one of the reasons that I'll be vulnerable and I'll tell my story and, and even the awkwardness of when I didn't know how to do things and how can we help someone else believe in themselves? To me, that's enough of me being completely you know, vulnerable and naked and saying, okay, I didn't know what I was doing. Okay, like I remember being criticized over and over again. You should never ever say that you ever did drugs. I'm like, well, my mother was a drug addict and she's the first person who introduced me to drugs. And so it's part of who I am. And for me, I'm so glad I did live a life where everything was given to me and that I wasn't born into a rich family because for me, it made me dig deep. It made me figure out what was important to me and believe me it hasn't been great for either one of my siblings they the life has been hard and i've seen others that grew up in key west who it didn't turn out well for them and you know i have plenty of people from high school that are not alive today you know where it didn't turn out well for them either because of drugs or you know getting again having allowing the toxic people around them to slowly kill them to the point where they are gone now and so so important to find that your yay. I call it your yay in every day, no matter what it is. And sometimes it's a little micro tiny yay. And sometimes it's like what I say, it's the hands over the head, crossing the finish line. I won the lottery kind of yay. But whatever it is for you each day, you just have to keep finding it no matter how hard it is.
0: I love that, Jennifer. I love that. Thank you so much for that. And, and kind of breaking it down sometimes too. And doing the micro yays, like, yeah, not every day is going to be like a slam dunk or a home run or whatever, but just finding the joy in the little things like gratitude gives this whole mindset shift. I don't know what it is about it, but every time that I stop myself in the morning and make sure that I'm grateful, it has this like magic thing. Like TikTok recently, they they had this trend that was like lucky girl. Did you did you oh, see it, Jennifer? I didn't see it, no. I didn't want to oh see it. Lucky girl? Oh. It, was like, it was like, you have to like, it's like you say an affirmation in the morning and like, oh, I'm a lucky girl. Everything goes my way, That And like people were talking about how their days went after that. And it was insane how like it can literally transform your day because just like how your cheerleader spoken to you, right? You can speak life onto things, right? So if you wake up and you're having a crappy day, guess what? The rest of the energy for the day is pretty much set up. Whereas if you back up and say, you know what, regardless of what just happened, let's try to find the micro yay. Let's find some gratitude in the moment for for what is good, right? And navigate from there. And it just, it transcends your whole mindset. And it's a small thing, but a huge thing. to And also
1: acknowledging where you are. Like I just, the other day I talked to a guy, he's a real estate. It's an investment property that I could potentially purchase. But here, get this. Now I'm going to go into a little bit of a, a sensitive area but there was a fire in the house. And so he, he could renovate it and do it himself, but it was recently his ex-wife and she was in the house when the fire happened and she died in the house. And he called me, he was returning my phone call and he called and if you ever get a chance to listen to my voicemail, I've had plenty of telemarkers. I I got a script and I got to get to the script, but that is definitely the best voicemail I've ever heard because my voicemail is very happy. And I never think of it as very happy. It's just like, Hey, it's Jennifer Hammond, leave me a message. I never think of it as like a special thing. So this guy calls me back and he said, you know, I almost didn't leave a message. He said, I I find your message to be extremely off-putting and... And I'm glad he left a message. So I called him back. And again, like the micro yeas, I said, I know right now with everything that's happened, there is, there's the happiness just seems like it's a vacuum, like it's been vacuumed out of your space. And I said, and I completely understand if you never want to speak to me again. And I just gave him the space to, sometimes we need to be able to have the space to be sad, you know, right. and, and be able to acknowledge that, you know, even a micro yay is just not today. And that's okay too. But I, I think that being able to be okay, and I, I used to say, this is going to make a good story. Like sometimes when I step my toe or something crazy happens, I'm like, so it's not funny today. I don't know if it's going to be funny tomorrow, maybe in a year, but hopefully it's going to turn into a good story someday, no matter how much, you know, because everybody's where they are. And life is definitely not perfect every day.
0: Absolutely. Oh my God, Jennifer. I love that. I love that. And it's true. You allow yourself a space to process where it's not going to be like happy-go-lucky every single day. If you need a day to just reset and process your emotions, because the last thing you want to do is repress them, you know, allow yourself to feel right, but have gratitude in the fact that you're feeling and you're releasing and that you're going to move forward from, from that point. I love that, Jennifer. Oh my goodness. You are, you are such a rock star. Oh my God. Oh my
1: gosh. And like, (laughs)
0: no, you're so awesome. Are you kidding? Oh my goodness. What is Jennifer up to next? Like what's up in your world in like the next like few months? What's, what's happening?
1: So I'm, I just started recording a television show, which I'm super excited about. So we have to keep in touch once it's ready. And I'm actually, I'm so excited because we're going to call it the yay show. And I'm interviewing different people who have created yays wherever they are in the world. And, and I, I'm super excited because one of the things I want is to just put as much happiness out there and, and as what you're doing here with what you do, understanding that transformation and how each person has approached it and the different stories. I mean, even for me on the, some of the days where I like I remember meeting Jack Canfield for the first time and I was like, oh, my gosh, because Chicken Soup for the Soul stories, again, it's exactly what it is, is, is being able to share stories that inspire you and make you realize that we're all human and we're all having this really interesting human experience down here, you know, and however, whatever spiritual, you know, beliefs you have, we're having a very interesting experience on planet earth and sometimes the days aren't good, but we can inspire each other and we're all more connected than I think on a regular basis where we even allow ourselves to, to realize that we are so connected and, and we can help each other, even with just a few words, just like here's the, the guy from high school, you know, his, uh, his wife, you know, he changed my life as much as she changed my life. Cause she decided to, to take what he said. And then all of a sudden I end up with a scholarship and you're it totally changed my life. And it changed my belief in myself. And you think about that. You can share your smile. You can share your Yay any day, and you can change somebody's world with just the smallest gestures that, again, we so much dismiss and say, oh, it doesn't matter. Yes, it matters. It matters so much. You know, make eye contact, smile at people, say yay. So the TV show is next. That's one of the big things. And then um, I'm also doing a lot of speaking. So I'm going to be speaking all over the United States right now. I've done all sorts of different things over the next gosh, over the next six months for sure. But then next year, it's going to be international. I've started booking Asia and other places. So I'll be going overseas next. So I've been staying closer to home right now, but there's you'll be hearing me all over the place soon. Oh my
0: God. And the world needs that. Are you kidding? More of your beautiful energy, your happiness, your lessons, your stories, all of the things. I am... So grateful for you, Jennifer, you are absolutely incredible. And I know everyone's been listening intently is like,
1: how can I
0: find Jennifer and her awesomeness? So where can we find you, Jennifer? What's the best place to
1: reach you, get info? It's funny because I'm I'm even on TikTok, but I'm not really good on TikTok. The best way always is to go to my website, Jennifer. And then I have the middle initial J Hammond, Jennifer J Hammond. Don't go to Jennifer Hammond. I will tell you, there are a couple Jennifer Hammonds that are not me. There's one who's a Detroit, Michigan, she's a sports newscaster. Then there's a Jennifer Hammond that's a Miss Universe from the Philippines. And then there's one who does not so good stuff. So <laughs> don't confuse the Jennifer Hammonds. So that's why I put my middle initial in there J for joy or for yay. J. JenniferJ.Hammond.com.
0: You are amazing, Jennifer. Thank you so much for today. You are such a light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for what you do with this. I know you're inspiring people all over the place. So thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: So that's it
0: for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we
1: know is like some underdogs.